to 2 Timothy chapter 3 with me today, please. Appreciate Pastor Tony and this worship team this morning, these musicians and these singers. What a wonderful atmosphere they have prepared for us today, not only to worship, but to enter in and to receive today from the Word of God and what He wants to say to us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm going to read from the New King James Version. I think there's two different versions back there, uh, media folks. I'm just going to use that one version, the New King James Version today. Second Timothy chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. I want to read some very familiar words to you today that the Apostle Paul writes to Timothy. Paul actually penned two different letters to Timothy. And I want to read today, in light of where I believe we are as a nation and where we are as a world. I want to use these verses today as a foundation for a little series I want to preach over the next three weeks entitled A World in Crisis. But let me read this passage to you. But, but know this, that in the last days, the perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, I'll conclude with, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people, turn away. Today, I want to take a few moments and launch this series that I want to get into today and take for the next couple of weeks following today, entitled A World in Crisis. Today, I want to use as a title for this specific message, Jesus is the Answer. Jesus is the answer. Let's pray and I'll let you be seated. Father, thank you for the word today. Thank you for worship today. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit today. God, in these next few moments, as I got delivered to this body, what you have laid on my heart today, would you help us to hear the word, to be changed by the word, to receive the word, and may the word fall on good fertile soil this morning, Father, in the hearts of people. And if there be a man or woman today under the sound of my voice that does not have a relationship with Christ, the desire of my heart today and every Sunday is that before they walk out of this place, they will confess their sins and receive Christ into their life. I love you and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, the church said amen this morning. God bless you today. You can be seated. Pastor Tony, thank you for your help. A crisis has been defined as a condition of instability or danger, as in social, economical, political, or international affairs leading 
to decisive change. I believe today that I can say that we are a world in crisis. Let's just consider for a moment socially where we are right now. Hatred, racism, bigotry, prejudice. Is that a a place unlike any I've ever seen before? Let me go on record today so I can say it publicly because I was not here last week. You so graciously allowed me to be away. Let me just say that I, as the pastor of this church, wholeheartedly and unequivocally condemn every single thing that happened in Charlottesville the other weekend. It's sinful. It's wrong. Racism is not right. It'll never be right, and it will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. God's people do not agree with or stand for the events that transpired there. Now, I am not a political preacher, and I'm not going to preach politics today, but I am going to talk about some just current events for a moment that I'm going to preach Jesus to us this morning. Consider where we are economically today. Yeah, we've seen a little bit of a boost in our economy, but we are still a nation that is $20 trillion in debt. Politically, last year's election cycle was as vicious as anything I've ever seen in my 41 years of life. Seems to me that neither side of the aisle can agree on anything. We hear of talk of meddling by the Russians. We hear of collusion by some of our highest political officials. About every other week on the news, we talk about repealing, replacing, or whatever we're going to do with this insurance fiasco that we find ourselves in. So socially and economically and politically and internationally, I mean, I I believe that we are on the brink of a possible nuclear war at any moment. And with all of that said today, I, I believe that it's safe for me to acknowledge the fact that we are a world that's in crisis. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3 right here, the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, He writes this letter to his protege, Timothy. And he warns him and tells him, Brother Gene Turpin, of some crisis moments that are coming. The Apostle Paul is writing from a prison cell in Rome. He's coming down toward the end of his life when he pins this letter to the young pastor, Timothy, who's leading a church in a city called Ephesus. The Apostle Paul, in his writing here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he, he writes and he encourages young Timothy to steadfastness and fidelity not only as a Christian but as a minister of the gospel. Because Paul tells him that there are some dangerous and some difficult days that lie ahead. In the very first verse of 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul highlights two things early on. First of all, he says this, know this, that in the last days. Now what did Paul mean? When he talked about the last days, anytime we see the last days or latter days in Scripture, that is referencing and it is talking about those days that precede the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I believe that today that we are indeed living in the very last of the last days. At any moment, I believe that Jesus Christ could come back and call the church away. He says, know this, that in the last days, the days just before the coming of the Lord, he said that perilous times, Brother Kenny, were going to come. Perilous times meaning times of danger. Times of difficulty, times of trial, times of persecution, grievous times. Or that word, can, the best translation is times of stress. He tells Timothy there are stressful times and days that are coming. In those last days, just before the Lord returns, Timothy, there are going to be perilous times, stressful times, grievous times that are going to come upon the world. Not only is Timothy going to deal with some difficulties in his present day, but Paul is saying in the last days it's going to get really bad. It's the same thing that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24. When his disciples looked at him and said, when will the, the, the sign of the end of the age be? How will we know that we're coming down to the end of time? And Jesus begins to talk to them about wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famines and pestilence in many places. He talks about the fact that lawlessness will abound. Has anybody turned the news on recently? Has anybody seen the things that have unfolded, not just the past few weeks, but over the last several years? Lawlessness abounds in this country. People do whatever they feel like doing with no regard for what the law of the land says. He talks about the fact that hatred would rise. He talks about the fact that, that people would hate one another. He talks about the fact that there would be false prophets that would arise and would deceive many. Listen, I want to tell you again and submit to you this morning, we are living in the last days. Jesus Christ is coming again soon. And I believe with all of my heart that we are living right now in the final dispensation of time just before Jesus comes back. Can I tell you today that with all of the events and the things that are unfolding in this world today, listen, now is not the time for us as a church or you as an individual to be alarmed. It's not time to hunker down in fear. And listen, you certainly should not be surprised with all of the things that are transpiring. Scripture was very clear that these kind of days were coming just before Jesus comes back. And now is not the time for the church to sit down or to shrink back or to hunker down or hide in fear. Now is the time. If there's ever been a time, it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to speak up. It's time for the church to declare that Jesus Christ is still Lord. Oh, I feel like preaching this morning. Because a world in crisis needs a word of comfort. A messed up world needs a message of hope. I believe, listen, it's time for the church to be proactive. Not only in what we say, Aunt B, but in what we do. And I believe today that the church has a word of comfort for a world that's gone mad. And that word is very simple. It is spelled J-E-S. 
S-U-S. Jesus is the answer for this world today. And the songwriter Andre Crouch said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's none other. Jesus is the way. We have the word that the world needs to hear. And that word is Jesus. I still like to say his name. There's still power in his name. There's still healing in his name. There's still joy in his name. There's still peace in his name. There's still comfort in his name. There's still strength in his name. It is the name that's above every other name. It is the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. All clap your hands today and let's praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Over these next few weeks, I want to talk about three things that the church must do right now in the midst of this world that we're living in. Today, I want to talk about the fact that we must preach Jesus. Next week, I want to talk about the fact that we must portray love. And the following week, I'll tie this series up and talk about the fact that we must pursue peace. But today, can I just talk about Jesus for a little bit? We can talk about a lot of stuff. We can dialogue about a lot of stuff. I, I just have had this urgency this week to come here and stand before you and just talk a little bit, Kenny Hancock, about Jesus. Can I just talk about Jesus a little bit today? I'm going to, so hold tight. And when we talk about preaching Jesus, listen, the church right now in this world we're living in, we must preach Jesus. Not just in our word, but in our deeds and in our actions, your life should preach Jesus every single day. Let me talk about it now. If we're going to preach Jesus, there's some specific things that we need to preach about Jesus. Number one, we must preach his significant birth. You do realize that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. You understand that this foundation of our faith is being refuted. It's being disputed. It's being dissected. It's being debated. It's being dialogued by people and by movements all over this world. But I want to tell you today that there was a little olive-complected teenage handmaiden by the name of Mary who made her womb available to the Holy Spirit. And long before her and Joseph ever came together in a physical, intimate way, the power of the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, overshadowed her and came upon her and touched her and impregnated her with the Christ child. Now, here's what you need to know today. That if Jesus Christ was not virgin born, that means that the blood that flows through his veins was the blood of his earthly father, Joseph. And if the blood that flows through his veins is not the blood of his father, God, but of Joseph, that means that what he did on the cross didn't work. Oh, let me teach you just for a moment today. That means that the sacrifice he made on Calvary was null and void, and everything we're doing today is an absolute waste of time. If Jesus Christ was not virgin-born, that means that our worship, our walk, and our witness is an absolute waste. But I want to tell you today that Jesus Christ was indeed born of a virgin. That womb was touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the blood that spilled out of his body on Calvary was not normal 
human, ordinary blood, but it was the blood of his heavenly father. It was not tainted. It was not stained. Listen, it was unadulterated, undiluted blood. And because of that, Calvary works. The crucifixion works. We're saved from sin. We're redeemed from a life of destruction because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. CNN talk show host Larry King was one time asked this question. If you could interview anybody in history, who would it be? He said, I would like to interview Jesus. And the questioner said to him, why would you like to interview Jesus? And here's what King said. He said, I would like to ask him if he was indeed born of a virgin. Because the answer to that question would define all of history. Well, I'd like to tell Mr. King... And I'd like to tell every one of you today, and I'd like to tell anybody that's watching us via Facebook Live today that Jesus Christ was indeed born of a virgin. Listen, I don't have to ask him. I don't have to research it. I don't have to try and figure it out. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And for us to, to even doubt that or to refute his virgin birth, that is, that is like us denying the trustworthiness of what Scripture teaches us about the birth of of Christ. Why don't we let Isaiah tell us who thousands of years prior would write these words in Isaiah 7 and 14. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Jesus Christ was indeed born of a virgin and because he was, we are saved. We are redeemed. We are delivered from a life of sin today. Number two, watch this. We not only have to preach his significant birth, we have to preach his sinless life. Do you understand that, that 42% of people today believe that Jesus Christ committed sins while he was on this earth? There are noted, listen, theologians and Bible scholars, and I've researched it and I've studied it, and here's what they'll tell you. They have refu irrefutable evidence, they say that at the very least that Jesus was a bisexual. There's Bible scholars. I can give you their names. I can take you to the resource that I found. And there are Bible scholars today that will tell you that Jesus had at least one homosexual relationship while he walked on this earth. There's a, there's a Bible scholar at Queensland University in Sydney, Australia that has promoted and said that at least three of the disciples of Jesus were gay. That's the biggest bunch of hogwash, malarkey, and for lack of a better term, baloney that I've ever heard in my life. Now, Pastor, if they were to come <clears throat> and want to debate that with you, what would you tell them? Well, I'd just say, let's let the Word of God stand on its own merit. Oh, God, I'm going to preach right here. Let's let the Word of God stand on its own record. Because 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 tells us that He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's let the Word stand on its own merit today. Hebrews 4 and 15 says, For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted as we were, yet without 
sin. Let's let the word stand on its own merit today. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. And Peter would say this knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by your fathers from tradition. But with the, watch this, the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Let's let the word stand on its own record this morning. And Peter would say in that very same chapter in verses 21 and 22, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, watch this now, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps who knew no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth. Let's let the word of God stand on its own merit this morning. According to 1 John 3 and 5, it says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sin and in him there is no sin. I'd like to tell every theologian and I'd like to tell every scholar today, you've come way too late. You're a day late and a dollar short. The Christ that I serve and the Bible I read it teaches me that Jesus never ever knew sin and because of that the cross of Calvary it washed away all of my sin and made me a brand new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Here's the third thing. We got to preach this significant birth. We've got to preach his sinless life. Listen, we've got to preach his sacrificial, substitutionary death. Listen, there is no way around. There is no way around the horrific, horrible death that Jesus Christ died. You can't get around it. And I'm telling you, if there was no substitutionary, sacrificial death, Christianity is a waste of time. Because listen, a suffering, mangled, bloodied, torn, beaten Savior is not an image that we like to have in our minds. Listen, we would much rather see him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. We would much rather see him as that king coming back on a white horse who the Bible described his hair was like wool, his eyes were like a flame of fire. Out of his mouth went a two-edged sword, and on his thigh there was a name written that said King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We'd much rather see him like that. But I want to tell you that that suffering lamb was led to the slaughter for you and for me. Listen, that's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. Listen to what he said. We esteemed him stricken smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 4. Can I just keep preaching Jesus to you for a moment today? Here's what Paul said about him. He said, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that according to the scriptures, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Acts 2 and 23, when Peter came out of the upper room preaching, here's what he said. He said, you took your lawless hands and you crucified him and you put him to death. Paul would write in Philippians 2 
2 and 8, that he took on the form as of a man, and he humbled himself and became obedient unto the point of death, even the death of the cross. Do you understand today that Jesus Christ took our pain, Jesus Christ took our place, and Jesus Christ took our punishment? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Paul would write in Romans 5 and 8, but God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You cannot get away from the fact that he paid the greatest price any man could ever pay. He made the greatest sacrifice that anyone could ever make. And why did he do it, Pastor? He did it for you and he did it for me because he loved us with a love that no man could ever demonstrate or display. And I can't help today but to stand here and preach to you that Jesus Christ was crucified, placed on a cross, and he died for your sins, and he died for my sins today. Hallelujah. Here's the fourth thing. If we preach his significant birth, and we preach his sinless life, and we preach his sacrificial substitutionary death, we have to preach his supernatural resurrection. You do know that the grave could not hold the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if there is no resurrection, let's turn the lights out and let's go home and never come back here again on a Sunday. For that matter, let's not ever even decide to get out of bed and live a a life and serve Christ because if there is no resurrection, everything we're doing in here today and everything you do on a regular basis every day to serve Christ, it's a waste of time if there is no resurrection. Here's what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15 and 14. I'm just going to keep preaching Jesus right from the Scripture today. He said, and if Christ is not risen, he said, our preaching is empty. You know what that means? If Christ isn't risen, I don't need to show back up here ever again and preach one more message to you. And if Christ is not risen, he said, your faith is also empty. He went on in verse 17 and said this. He said, and if Christ is not risen, he said, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. But I want to tell you today, the last time I checked the borrowed tomb, Jesus Christ was not there. But he is risen. Something happened on that Sunday morning. Something happened on that third day as Jesus lay in the heart of the earth in that borrowed tomb of a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. After they had had crucified him and taken him off a cross and they put him in that tomb. Matthew 28 verses 1 through 6 gives us the the account of the, the, the events that unfolded that day and here's what it says that on the first day of the week, the Sabbath, as the day began to dawn, that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And when they got to the tomb, the Bible says that there was this great earthquake, and an angel descended from heaven and rolled away the stone from the door, and he sat on him. The Bible said in verse 3 that his appearance was like lightning and that his clothes were as white as snow. And when the angel showed up, Aunt B, it said that the guards began to shake with fear and they fell down like 
dead men. And the angel looked at Mary and Mary and said, do not be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. And and the angel said, leave here and go quickly and tell the disciples that Jesus Christ is risen. I want to tell you today, you can go to the tomb of Buddha. You can go to the tomb of Muhammad. You can go to the tomb of Confucius and you will find their remains there. But if you go to the tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not find him there. He is risen like he said. The grave could not hold him. Death could not defeat him. Jesus Christ is alive today. He is risen. If you're glad about that, I wish somebody would praise the Lord this morning. And I wish you'd forgive my voice. I've been battling a terrible, terrible bout of acid reflux for many weeks, and it has it is affecting my voice. I apologize. I sound really squeaky this morning. Help me, and we'll push right through it. Here's the last thing. If we preach a significant birth, and we preach a sinless life, and we preach a supernatural resurrection, and we preach a sacrificial substitutionary death, listen, we've got to preach this last one. We've got to preach a soon return. Pastor Tony, come help me land this. If we're going to preach all the other stuff, listen, we can't stop at the cross. We can't stop at the tomb. Uh-uh. Because the Bible says that after he was raised from the dead, he walked on this earth and showed himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days. He had looked at his disciples and had told them, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, but I'm going to come back again. I'm going to return. And when Jesus ascended back to heaven, he's been sitting at the right hand of the Father ever since then. And I want you to know today that at any moment, Jesus Christ could return. The Bible says that no man knows the day and no man knows the hour. Not even the angels in heaven know, but my Father only. Do you realize that I I believe, and in my humble opinion, we are living in the shadow of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are closer at this moment in our lives than we have ever been before to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you realize that today before we leave here, we could experience what the Apostle Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, and 18. And here's what he said. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. He said the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and those of us who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be. He concluded and said this, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Any moment now, we could experience what the Apostle Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 55. Can I just keep preaching Jesus right from the Scripture today? Here's what he said. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment... In the twinkling 
of an eye. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? It could happen before we walk out of here. In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. This old body will be changed. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more de death. Brother Turpin, there'll be no more disease. But in a moment, we'll put on a body unlike anything we've ever known before in our lives. And I want you to know, listen to me, that in the midst of this world we're living in right now, when he comes, everything will be changed. Man, I need some volume to preach this from my voice. No, no, not volume. I need, I need, I need throat, not that kind of volume. <clears throat> when he comes, hatred will be replaced with hope. A national debt will be replaced with never-ending provision. Political strife will be replaced with the Prince of Peace himself. The threat of war will be replaced with triumphant worship. And a world in crisis will be replaced with a world where Christ reigns forever and forever. I've got good news today for a messed up world. I got a word of hope today for a world in crisis. And here's that word. That word is Jesus Christ. He still has the answer. He still is the answer. He's always been the answer. And he will always be the answer. I don't care what happens in Hollywood. I don't care what happens in Washington. I don't care what happens on Capitol Hill. I don't care what happens in the Oval Office. I don't care what happens on 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Jesus Christ is still the answer. And when he comes... It won't be Democratic. It won't be Republican. But Jesus Christ will rule and he will reign forever. If you're glad about that, I wish you'd put your hands together today and praise the Lord. Jesus is the answer. I like to go stand right in the middle of a big old protest while they pull down statues and do what they do and just say, listen, Jesus is the answer. I like to get on CNN and Fox News and just look at every single one of those jokers and tell them, listen, you can debate it, you can discuss it, but I'm telling you, Jesus is still the answer. Don't you dare get caught up in everything that's going on. Don't you dare throw yourself in the midst of everything that's going on. Don't you dare take sides and try to, you know, I'll be on this side and that side. Listen, you're just standing on the side of Jesus Christ. The church just needs to stand with Jesus. Hallelujah. I wish you'd raise your hands up and just praise the name of Jesus today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just praise the name of Jesus today. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives. I know who holds my future because he lives. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Would you stand up on your feet in this place today and keep those hands up? And I wish somebody would open up your mouth today and lift up your voice and just declare praise of the name what of Jesus name. today. Hallelujah. 
Just declare. Come on, just declare your praise what to Jesus today. Name. Come on, say that name. We just say it, Jesus. Come on, say that name, Jesus. Come on, declare that name today, Jesus. I just had such an urgency today to come in here and preach Jesus. Just preach his significant birth, his sinless life, his substitutionary sacrificial death, his supernatural resurrection, his soon return. Jesus Christ is coming again. And when he does, the world will be put in peace again. Come on, somebody praise Jesus today. Don't stop. Come on, lift up those hands and those voices today and just praise the name of Jesus today. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus, we lift you up today. Jesus, we magnify you. Jesus, we exalt you. Listen, I don't know what you may need today, but Jesus has the answer. Did you hear your pastor? I don't know what you may need today, but Jesus has the answer. I don't know what your, where your spiritual standing is today. I don't know where you stand with God. If you've ever received Christ or maybe you're running from Him and you've turned away from Him, listen, Jesus will welcome you back with open arms and love you in a way you've never been loved before. Come on, sing it, Pastor Tony. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Come on, declare that name today. Declare that name today. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ my to do today I look across this congregation there's a lot of faces in here today a lot of people in here today and I know that you can't solve whatever it is that you're in the midst of right now but I know somebody that has the answer today Jesus Hallelujah. Jesus if you're sick in your body today there's healing in Jesus name today 
If you're troubled in your mind this morning, there is peace in the name of Jesus today. If you're at a place and you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill, but you've been faithful to do what the Word of God tells you to do, listen, there's provision today in the name of Jesus. If your family's a fragmented, broken mess, I want to tell you today, there is healing for your family in the name of Jesus. If you're lost today and you've turned your back on God and you've run from Him or maybe you've never met Jesus, I'm telling you, there is salvation today in the name of Jesus. He's waiting on you. He's longing for you to come to Him today. His desire is to touch your life in a way that you've never been touched before. Jesus is the answer. As they sing that, I'm not going to beg. I'm not going to try to prompt and push and pull. But if you need something from Jesus today, as they sing, I want you just to come and stand at this altar and join me today.